My name is Luke Wright, and this is The Podcast with No Name. On this episode of The Podcast with No Name, we will be discussing the modern-day segregation epidemic, focusing heavily on technology companies, but also I have examples from Columbia University, from the Grammys, and even from Ben and Jerry's. Before I begin, I need everyone who listens to this to realize this is not cancel culture. I'm not trying to cancel these companies. I'm not trying to prevent you from going to these companies or from visiting their websites or from going to their college or whatever. I'm just trying to explain what I see and why I think it's wrong. So let's begin. Our own country, where we are looked upon as a widely diverse place where no matter your sex, your religion, or your race, you will have the same and equal opportunity as everyone else. Our own country, which states in the Declaration of Independence that all men are created equal. Our own country, where segregation because of a person's race is still alive today. It has been over half a century since Lyndon B. Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act into law. Over half a century. That's over 50 years. The law states, and I quote, prohibiting discrimination based on color, sex, religion, or national origin. That's from Dole.gov. But today, over 50 years later, segregation is still alive in this country. Over this this past year, we've been stuck at home. There's been a national pandemic ra- raging through our country. And while we were at home in May of 2020, a man by the name of George Floyd was killed by the hands of police in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Now, your stance can be different. You can think that the cop did or not. It doesn't matter. Video surfaced. Video spread like wildfire. And people went out to protest. People protest legally. And people did it illegally by rioting and looting. But it doesn't matter. Because what this, what the death of George Floyd did was cause companies to to, to release new... And I guess improved ways to help black, black, black Americans. Some of these helped. Some of these did not. Because if if you if you just look at it and be just read the headlines, you will think, "Wow, how great is it helping for these hardworking black men and women to finally have a chance?" to get their businesses spotlighted, to get their movies and their shows, to get their music spotlighted. But if you take a deeper look into what is ha- what is happening, you will see the similarities between segregation before the Civil Rights Act was signed and segregation now because of what is happening. And by pointing out these black-owned businesses and black-created music and media, it will cause a negative effect. Because unfortunately, there is still a relatively high racist population in this country against people of different skin tones. 
before I dive into some examples to prove and disprove my point, we're gonna I'm gonna share with you a little bit of history. In August 1619, the first slave ships arrived in America. That brought upon us a period of great disgust in American history, where we would sell, we would auction off people, and we would not see them as people because of their skin color. However, the Declaration of Independence was written in 1776, and it said all men were created equal. It would have said slavery was outlawed, but Benjamin Franklin disagreed because he wanted support of all 13 colonies. Less than, or yeah, less than a hundred years later, the Civil War was fought, brother versus brother, to stop the spread of slavery. It was never fought to end slavery entirely, just to end the spreading of it. President Abraham Lincoln never wanted to end slavery. He he never thought about ending slavery. But after he saw the carnage of this war, he put pen to paper. And with one signature, he ended slavery by the use of the Emancipation Proclamation, which ended slavery in all rebel states. However, after the Civil War, a man by the name of John Wilkes Booth showed up while Abraham Lincoln was watching a play and shot him dead, which turned the tide during Reconstruction with presidents that hurt the South rather than helped it. Ulysses S. Grant was really the only president after Lincoln to help the South, but after his terms was up, Reconstruction was over, and the South became one of the most segregated places in the world. Jim Crow laws popped up all over the South, making it hard for African Americans to do anything Remotely equal to whites. Nothing. Nothing they did was equal. August 28, 1963. A pastor from Atlanta by the name of Martin Luther King Jr. Marched on Washington Washington, sorry, and proclaimed that he had a dream. His dream was that everybody one day would be seen as equal. However, that pastor from Atlanta was in a Tennessee motel standing on the balcony when a white man who was angry that blacks were getting close to being equal shot the pastor dead. However, before his death, the Civil Rights Act of 1964 was passed ending segregation, making it illegal. And the, probably the most important case to reach the Supreme Court to deal with Jim Crow. Brown versus Board of Education reached the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court ruled that whites and blacks were separate but equal. They could be separated into separate schools, bathrooms, restaurants, but they were still equal, supposedly. And still, 57 years later, segregation is still an issue, not only in the South, which has a history, 
of being segregated, but also in the United States as a whole. I have found very reliable sources, not opinionated pieces, not blogs, but reliable sources to help prove and disprove my argument on segregation today. My first article that I've found comes is based on Facebook, and it's titled, Facebook's Policy on White Supremacy Plays Right into a Racist Agenda by the Indian Technology News, published May 30th, 2018. Now, Facebook has had backlash for multiple problems, not just race, privacy. There's been multiple things going on with Facebook, but race in this day and age is is a problem with Facebook. Facebook is basically given the green light for all white supremacists on its platform after defending white supremacist accounts saying that is not that it does not violate the the policy, sorry. White supremacy has been a major major problem in America ever since the end of the Civil War. Actually ever since the founding of America. Fake news spreads and it spreads and it spreads fast. White supremacist fake news is no different. White supremacist fake news also also recruits it recruits people. And when we when when recruiting people into these racist organizations, it it has the America going towards racial equality and the end of racism, and it pushes them a step back. From this article about the Indian Technology News, found on Nexus UMI, on the USC Upstate Library, in this, in this article, they write, and I quote, Facebook opted to officially different, differentiate between white nationalism and white supremacy, allowing the former and forbidding the latter. Allowing white nationalism, but forbidding white supremacy. Even though they said white supremacy wasn't against their policy. So basically that means white white nationalism gets the green light. And what's the difference? Well, according to the article, there's there's not one. Because, and I quote, White nationalism is a term that originated among white supremacists as a euphemism for white supremacy. So, there's not a difference, really at all. Nothing's really being changed. So, so what, what's the, what, what's going to be done? Also, in this article, they, they, they write Facebook. Sorry, Facebook also notes that, and I quote: "White nationalism and calling for an exclusively white state." is not a violation for a policy unless it explicitly excludes other PCs. PCs protect the characteristics. Like, are you kidding me? So, white nationalism doesn't, doesn't, does, isn't against policy, but white nationalism was created by white supremacy. Which, in, the, in this article, white supremacy is defined as, and I quote, 
a racist ideology based upon a belief that white people are superior in many ways to people of other races. Like, how does that make any sense? I want somebody to tell me how that makes any sense. It doesn't. That's why. And they go on to talk about how white nationalism and white supremacy isn't really differentiated in Facebook. But are their goals at least different? Not according to this article, which states, and I quote, Facebook ignored most dissenting definitions linking white nationalist goals directly to white supremacy. White nationalism calls for an all-white state. White supremacy calls, says white people are better than any other person. So what's the difference between wanting an all-white state and saying white people are better? I don't think there's a good argument to prove that any of them are different. Secondly, Google. Now, Google's approach to this, I can understand the good that they are trying to do. But the good that they are trying to do also comes with the bad way that they did it. Let me explain. In the, in the article by News Text Blogs, titled Black Owned, Google Unveils Program to Identify Business Owners by Race, Google has... Google, Google, let me just, let's just, let's just, let's just read this. In the article, and I quote, Google Maps verified Twitter account revealed that it is rolling out an attribute that it says makes it easier to identify and support black businesses in the U.S. Okay, that's good. Like, I, I agree that that is good. They're trying to, they're trying to help black businesses. The only problem is... Pointing them out could lead to discrimination because people are now able to tell what businesses they should avoid. These racist individuals now know what businesses they should avoid. And then people, people on, people on Twitter took to this. People on Twitter realized this, and in the article, like. I don't understand because people on Twitter can realize this, but Google, it's very difficult with Google because Google, just the way that they're doing it, what they're trying to do is good, but the the way they present it is not, if that makes any sense. Let, Let me go some more. Twitter users responded to this and... And I quote, users on Twitter suggested that the label could have the opposite effect and could cause people to even avoid the branded businesses due to the presence of the tag. Exactly. Because the the presence of the tag gives people, allows people to know who owns the place and these racist individuals won't go without just not knowing and going because they're a good business with hardworking CEOs, and they have good food, good salon, good books. I don't know. Later on in the article, they write, and I quote, others accuse Google of discrimination for not allowing tags for other ethnicities. Sorry, Other users pointed out the historical context of labeling the race 
or ethnicity of business owners. I would like to know what's the difference between segregating companies in this in the 30s and 40s and 50s early 60s then and segregating them now there's not a difference we just think that segregation is banned but because it's not a widespread issue it's secretly under our noses every day now later on i'm going to explain why google is doing good things but right now google is struggling the way that they are presenting it is not helping Google's case. Another example, which I found, which I just found insane, is Columbia University, one of the greatest institutions, not only in the United States of America, but in the world. In this article, Columbia University hosts six different commencement segre- commencements segregated by race, sexuality, income, and income level by the Geller Report, published on March 10th, 2021. They write, and I quote, Columbia University hosts six different commencements segregated by race, sexuality, and income level. Income level, I can understand. Because income level, you might not want to be graduating with some super rich folk that's going to go and party on their yacht and get drunk after they graduate. I can understand that. I understand how you might not want to associate with all these rich folks, rather if you're a first-time graduate and you want to, I guess you want to prove them wrong. You want to prove that you don't have to be rich to be, to be successful. A few sentences later, they, they write out these six categories and, and, and I quote, they are Native American. LGBTQIA+. Now, I know what LGBTQ is. What is IA+. I want somebody to tell me what IA+, is. Because I do not know. Um, sorry. Asian, Latinx, and first generation and or low income, which I can understand. Low, okay, IA stands for intersex and asexual. (sighs) Okay, well, anyway, the only one I can understand, again, is first generation and or low income. Because I can understand how they might not want to celebrate with everybody else. I understand that. It makes sense to me. And then now here, a New York Times article. No, no, sorry, sorry. The article from Columbia College sets out all of these uh, graduations and what they mean. I'm just going to focus heavily on the race ones and read those. So, under the heading Asian Graduation Celebration, and I quote, Asian Graduation Celebration is an annual celebration that recognizes the achievements of a graduating Asian and in parentheses, East Asian, South Asian, Southeast Asian, in parentheses, and Pacific Islander communities on campus. Okay, aren't they all, you know, American? Black graduation celebration. 
Under black graduation celebration, and I quote, black graduation celebration serves as an intimate gathering for family, friends, and members of the Columbia community to celebrate the culture and accomplishments of the undergraduate graduating class. Okay, black is not mentioned in that sentence. You had to get to the end, almost basically the middle to the end, to read where it says, black graduation is sponsored by multicultural affairs, undergraduate student life, and black students organization. Here's my question. Did black students organization go to them and ask for one, or did they go to black students organization and word it how they should and convince them to do that? Because it doesn't say here. It just says black students organization. And I don't know if black students organization went to them or they went to black students organization. But under the heading, Latinx graduation celebration. And I quote, Latinx graduation celebration has a long-standing history within the university of celebrating the accomplishments of our undergraduate Latinx graduates. So you're telling me that uh, this has been going on for longer than this year? Latinx has been, had their separate ones for longer than this year. Columbia University, everybody. And finally, under the heading, Native graduation celebration. And I quote, Native graduation celebration provides an intimate setting for family, friends, alumni, faculty, staff, and students to recognize the accomplishments of the graduates while embracing their new important roles as Columbia alumni. Okay, this never mentions anything about Native Americans. Nothing. Nothing here mentions anything about Native Americans. Which I'm assuming it's Native Americans because in the first article, it's, it was talking about Native Americans. So, I'm guessing it has to do with Native Americans, but they didn't mention that. They just said Native. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I don't understand how people think it's okay. And finally, the Grammys. The Grammys have a long history of being, a lot of award shows in Hollywood have a long history of being racist. Um, the Oscars, I don't remember what year it was, they had a, a whole, uh, debacle about only nominating white actors and actresses, but the Grammys, the Grammys is different, because, and I quote, only 10 black artists have won the Album of the Year award since the first one was handed out in 1959. Okay. The only person I could think that would have won it is Michael Jackson. I don't know if that's positive, but I'm just going to guess that it is. Stevie Wonder, maybe. Ray Charles. Lionel Richie. I don't know. I don't know who won him. But they did. And now here's here's another shocker that surprises me with the Grammys. And they write it in the, in the article by... Um, By csmonitor.com. Grammy diversity. Can the Recording Academy do right with black artists? And I quote, The weekend and his highly successful fourth studio album, After Hours, was completely shut out. A glaring omission. The album's biggest single, Blinding Lights, was the most streamed song of the year for 2020 on Spotify and became the longest-running top five and top ten record on Billboard's Hot 100 chart. You cannot tell me that... You've ne- first of all, you've never heard of Blinding Lights because everybody that is just just knows what music is has heard of it. And 
how does he not get nominated for a single? He should at least get nominated for Song of the Year. Like, are you kidding me? Well, in response to this, a group, a, tr a trio of white bands decided to go against it. And the article writes, and I quote, In January, a group of white artists, Alistair, Mook, and Friends, sorry if I mispronounced that, the Okie Dokie Brothers and Doggone Fleas, who were nominated for Best Children's Music Album, penned an open letter to the Recording Academy requesting that their names be removed from final round ballots. End of quote. Now, this has nothing... That, now, this doesn't particularly say that it has to do with, um, with The weekend, but I, I'm fairly certain it does. Because there's no way that The weekend doesn't get nominated for Blinding Lights, but a band like Doggone Fleas gets nominated for... I don't even know. What did Dog... I don't even know what they got nominated for. Children's Album, it says. So they are a children's band. With albums such as I'm an Optimist, Buy One, Get One, Flea. Okay. Like, how can the Grammys not do this? Now here's here's another thing. However, only ten, only again, only ten albums have won out. Only ten black artists have won album of the year. That doesn't mean that the Grammys are necessarily racist. Though. That just means that maybe a white artist, a Hispanic artist, an Asian artist did better. Now I'm not saying I'm certain because most likely that's that's not true. But there's a chance that that could be the case. I'm trying to you know respect the Grammys, but it's the sad truth is what I just said is highly not true. There's a high chance that's not true, and it's sad, but this is why, this is why I'm doing this, because we need, I need to share to you what is happening is not good for the United States of America. However, I do have two examples of black artist businesses getting their name out there. One of them is Google, and I'm going to get to that. But the first one here is Netflix. A New York Times article titled How Netflix Beat Hollywood to a Generation of Black Content lays out how Netflix has had a major success when it comes to black directed movies and TV. Netflix has outperformed Hollywood in movies that are produced by black directors and have a black class. One company has outproduced the entire entireness of Hollywood. That's crazy. Now this article was published on July 5th, 2020, and in the third paragraph, it state they write, and I quote, on June 10th, Netflix flexed the depth of its black programming by showcasing a Black Lives Matter collection of 56 shows, films, and documentaries. Okay, now, usually I would say that that's bad. Usually I would say, well, you're just trying to, um, you're trying to point out. Well, that's not what I'm saying, because it's 56. They're not just going to come up with 56 shows, right, produce, and shoot them in a matter of months. These shows probably took close to five years to film all of them. Very much longer. It could very much have been longer. 
And another reason I'm not that I'm not uh, discrediting them is because two paragraphs later, they write, and I quote, Netflix's chief content officer, Ted Sarandis, and other executives declined to speak on the record to me for this column, perhaps wary uh, or of appearing to take credit. They directed me instead to black creators and their work. That's amazing. They're not trying to take credit. They're they're directing them to the black directors who created these movies and these TV shows, these documentaries. And they're absolutely doing the right thing in this situation. Now, Netflix, one of Netflix's biggest competitors is arguably HBO. And now HBO released the series in 2019 called The Watchmen. And in this New York Times article, The Watchmen and the the series and the pretty much the the stream service as a whole is mentioned and I'm going to and it's a very good they they describe it perfectly why Netflix is doing better than HBO when it comes to black actors, movies, directors and all that. So they're right, and I quote, HBO's 2019 series Watchmen, a complex treatment of racism in America, has been discussed in recent months through the company, though the company, sorry, started its new service HBO Max with more emphasis on mass appeal than cultural relevance. So they went away from the racial part and went towards the mass appeal. They didn't care if it didn't appeal to black Americans, they wanted the mass, which most likely means white. Just an easier, just a nicer way than white they put mass. And now, Netflix wasn't automatically let's jump on this. No, Netflix thought of this early, 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 early. The company, early on, and I quote, had an opportunity with black audiences, came mostly from the service second original series, Orange is the New Black. Okay, now Netflix probably has 50 plus original series. Their second ever was Orange is the New Black. With an all black cast. And frankly, it's a pretty good show. Now Netflix, Netflix wasn't afraid to go out there and and go after the, the black cast. They they really were not. They went after the black dem- demographic and they got it. Because Netflix knew what they were doing. Now, the exec- the content executive does not even take credit for this. And I quote, He attributes the show's place at Netflix to a black executive there, Tara Duncan. A sentence later, the director Spike Lee voiced a similar, similar sentiment to the Hollywood Reporter in 2017. At the other places, there were no black people in the room. Netflix isn't scared to have black executives working on these great films and movies. Now, back in 2015, Netflix realized it had a problem, and I quote, it Netflix produced a memo and PowerPoint presentation, black employees rather, produced a memo and PowerPoint presentation to make the case that the company was missing an opportunity with black audiences. A few sentences later, only about 2 million black households were subscribed to Netflix, 5% of its total subscribers. It said that black households were 1.4 billion revenue opportunity. And they took they took hold of that opportunity. And they took her, her hold of it very quickly. 
And I quote, by 2018, with black showrunners and directors occupying an expanding slice of the cultural conversation and Netflix bracing for streaming wars, the company knew it had an opportunity. The company knew it had an opportunity because the company knew what it was doing. The company knew that since it had done all of these things, that it was it was already out ahead of everybody else. The company knew that it was probably going to win these streaming wars because of its demographic to multiple audiences. And that is why Netflix is so ahead of Hollywood when it comes to these things. Now, finally, back to Google and why pointing out these black-owned businesses on Google is good. I received this these arguments from RetailDive.com titled, Google Introduces Black-Owned Business Distinction in Net Shopping Time. Okay? And here's why these 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 um and I quote, black-owned attribute for business profiles in the U.S. to help people easily extend support. So they were gonna, they needed it to easily extend the support, and that is a good reason because in this article it states, and I quote, forty-one percent of black-owned businesses have closed due to the due to the pandemic. The black-owned businesses were struggling, and this helped. Google, the way they presented it might have sucked, but the way that it helped really showed Google how Google can can help something, can fix a problem. The same article they write, and I and I quote, they get the statistic, Google said that searches for black-owned businesses spiked 600% in 2020 compared to 2019. That's amazing. These, this is helping. So no more than 41% of these businesses go out of business. It is amazing. And even... If some of these businesses go out, Google is trying to help as much as they can because in this article they write, and I quote, Google has partnered with the Opportunity Finance Network to provide $30 million in loans and grants to black-owned businesses and community leaders. Even the company, even, and I quote, the company Ipsy committed $7 million to develop, promote, and promote, sorry, black-owned cosmetic brands google might not know how to present it but they know how to to roll it out they know what they're doing even though they're not that good at presenting it and that is why google google is good because they know what they they might not know how to present it, but they definitely know how to fix a problem thirdly one that we might not really think of is ben and jerry's ben and jerry's is helping these black owned the the black the Af- sorry Ben and Jerry's is helping the black community by using their their huge following base on social media Instagram Twitter probably Facebook I don't know I'm not on it they with over five hundred sixteen thousand followers just on Twitter alone they can tweet about how the criminal rate for people getting arrested with marijuana is much higher in the black communities. They can they can tweet about how they want so and so and such to change, how racial inequality needs to change. Now there are some things that Ben and Jerry's writes about, such as defunding the police, 
dismantling the police, I do not agree with. But some of their messages are very helpful for these communities. Very, very helpful. And it's not just because Google, or sorry, it's not just because Ben and Jerry's wants more people to come to their businesses and eat their ice cream. No, Ben and Jerry's genuinely cares about their customers and how to fix America to help its customers. My opinion on all of this is only one out of 330 million opinions. So don't come target me. 330 million people might think different. Oh well. But my thing about these 300, my opinion on this segregation that is now, is it's here. It's alive. It's been alive ever since America was found. It never went away. It just crept down into the hollows and, and disappeared for a little while. Now, segregating these businesses, music, and television is doing more harm than good in the long run, unless you're Netflix or you're Ben and Jerry's or you're even Google. Just present it better. Especially with the racially charged protests that have been going on around the shootings of Dante Wright, the killing of George Floyd, the killings of just police brutality that is supposedly systemically racist. People are going to get mad. People are going to get mad. This country, it's going to take a while for this country to go to its to to what we think it can go to. But once this country is there, once we can start start making steps of progress towards racial inequality and not thinking of somebody because of their skin color, not not talking to them as oh you're black, oh you're white, just thinking of them as one race and that's the human race, that is what we are aiming for. That that race is is just race is just something you run in. There's only one race in this world, and that race is the human race. 